Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Peace, peace. You know what it is. Shamir S-K-Y-Z-O-O Skyzoo live out the borough. And this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry. You know how you doing it, man. Log on. Tap in. Let's get into it. What's good, everybody? Happy Friday. Your boy Dexter Henry here for the NBA Exchange. Got a good one today. If you're looking at this, you come in the middle of this show, you're listening, you might think it's an episode of the Ain't Hard Sell podcast, but it's not that. It'll be me with my co-host from the Ain't Hard Sell podcast, Brian Fonseca. You've been following him. He's been doing a lot of things because, you know, we got to be out here grinding. You know how we're doing. Some of y'all ain't grinding, but we are. That's for sure. He does work for FanDuel, making sure everything's right for y'all with the betting on that. So we're going to do a little betting and picks with my man, Brian Fonseca. He also does some work for Five Reasons Sports, hosts the show with our guy, the Bahama Rican Boys. Really good show. Y'all should check that out, along with all the other good content they do on Five Reasons Sports. It is a really dope one. My man, Brian Fonseca here joining me. B, what's up, man? Working, as you said. Uh, I've had a good week. I can't lie to you. I've had I've had a, I've had a nice week, and I'm looking forward to sort of sitting back watching some games this weekend before recharging for next week. But all is well. Can't complain much. All is well and good. We reason Brian's here. If people don't know yet, is to talk about the Miami Heat. That's that's what we're talking about. This is a team. I, I don't want to say near and dear to his heart. That's maybe a little bit too much. That's that's, that's strong. Yeah, no. <laughs> I did not grow up on this or whatever. I just you know, yeah. Yo, as I as I often say about the yes, heat, they continue to get players I like. They continue to do things that I like. Right. So it's hard not to like what they're doing and who they are and. You know, just the makeup and the team building and respect what they've done organizationally since I've been a child, really, because they've been relevant my entire life. Yeah, can't say that about some other teams, including some teams I root for. Not always been relevant. That is that is for sure. But Brian loves the ethos of this team. He loves what they're about. He's all about hashtag heat culture. Now, it's not like, you know, some other people that just got the team in their bio and, you know, Brian has a whole theory on that stuff and how that goes. It ain't that. <laughs> we won't say that. But we're going to talk a little about the Heat. The Heat, they will be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. That is settled. There's a lot of talk about whether they're the top team or not. Brian, so they're going to be the number one seed in the East here. Um, I, look, I'm going to say this. I think you got to look at this and say this is very impressive. Sometimes we don't give enough credit to Eric Spolstra and the work that he's done. It can get overlooked. I'm sure you know this, too. Um, but how big of an accomplishment is it that this team I don't think anybody picked to finish number one in the East, finish number one in the East. How big of an accomplishment is that? Yeah, I thought they were going to finish third, I think, when we were talking about this early on. And I was saying, like, the goal should be finishing that top half just so you're at home for at least the first series. And now you're going to be home for the entire playoffs, assuming you get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And at Game 7, you're going to have that on your floor. And that's big, considering 
that you could be very well facing the Milwaukee Bucks or Boston Celtics, which we'll get to later. But yeah, I think it's a big accomplishment because if you said to anybody, to me, whoever, Jimmy Butler's going to miss 20-something games. Bam's going to miss 20-something games. Tyler Hero's going to miss a bunch of games. Kyle Lowry's going to be out multiple times due to personal reasons. And guys are just going to be missing games. And those are your top four players. And then just injuries up and down the roster that they were still going to be the one seed and basically be on track to be, you know, 53 and 29 or 54, 28, 52, 30, whatever they end up. Right now they're 52 and 28 at the time of this recording. That's impressive. I thought they'd be a 50-win team, but I didn't think they'd get beyond that much. And I thought that 50 would afford them third seed or something along those lines. So to be in a position where you can be 54 and 28 now, you know, they don't need to win anymore. So they may just start sitting guys and resting for the playoffs. It's a hell of an accomplishment for the organization. And I don't think it's something to be slept on, too, because this team we talk about, you know, and, you know, I love role players, gritty guys. And I don't think talent is necessarily everything. But in terms of the talent, they don't have the same top end talent as some of their competitors. They have a lot of great players, like in a lot of series. If you're drafting players from a series, you may take another team's like you're going to take Giannis first, but then. Other than maybe Drew and Middleton, most of your next guys are going to be Heat players because Bam, Jimmy, Tyler, et cetera, et cetera. So they have the depth and they have just good, solid all-around play. Getting that home court matters because of that, because you don't have a Giannis that's going to come in and drop 50 in a road setting or whatever. And they're a good road team, don't get me wrong, but it just helps so much for this kind of team who really also feeds off that home crowd um, that gets a bad reputation. Uh, for not being passionate or whatever. They're just late arrivers. Yeah, they're they're late arrivals. Yeah, they yeah, show yeah, up late. yeah. Miami, you know what I mean? They show up late, man. Come on. <laughs> Miami, they be showing up late, man. Everybody Look, coming off the South. Some of, them, some, of, some of the fans are my brethren. You know what I'm saying? So I know, I know how it be. Like, Yo, you got to tell your people, stop showing up late, man. Stop I got family in that area. You know, I got family in Florida. Um, and I don't know if Miami in particular, but definitely in Orlando. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a hell of an accomplishment for them. Eric Spolster, I don't think he's going to win coach of the year, but he should show up on a lot of ballots for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I'm man, Manny checking in talking about you got to give Eric Spolster credit, which I, I, I would agree with. Um, he also said he thinks Eric Spolster should be brought up in coach of the year talks. I'm with you. I don't think he will. Um, I think there'll be a lot of talk about Monty Williams. Um, there'll be a lot of talk about Taylor Jenkins, rightfully so. He'd be mm-hmm. my vote if I had a vote. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those things, right, Brian, like you expect this out of Eric Spolcher. He's done it so much that you kind of devalue the greatness of what he's, what he's doing and accomplishment or taking advantage of the opportunity, but we'll, we'll get to a little bit more coaching on that later. Okay. So you talked about all the factors about why it's great that they got this number one seed. How can you helpful the home court advantage? Um, we know the heat were in the finals a couple of years ago in the bubble. So is there pressure on this team right now getting this number one seed? That's like, look, you got to get back there. You got to have a really deep playoff run. What's the pressure on the Miami Heat right now as we head into these playoffs? I don't think it's finals or bust. I also don't think it's house money. It's probably somewhere in the middle uh, because, you know, you're in win now mode. You have guys that are, you know, P.J. Tucker's older, Kyle Lowry's older, Jimmy Butler is not old. He's still in his prime, but he's at the back part of his prime, right? And he's going to be in a massive contract extension uh, beginning next season, I believe. So, yeah, you're talking about, or is it the year after, actually? It might be the year after. But basically, the point is that 
yeah, there's pressure on them to do really well in the playoffs. If they lose before the Easter Conference Finals, that's a disappointment. If they get to the Easter Conference Finals and get washed, that's a disappointment, neither of which I think is going to happen. I think they'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals because we'll talk about like how the playoffs could actually shape up. Yeah. But I think it's shaping up to their advantage, which is something that is worth touching on uh, when we get there. But I think that you know your expectation is to get to, at minimum, the Eastern Conference Finals, give yourself a chance to get to the finals. This is why home court advantage matters, because if that goes seven games, you're having four games on your home floor, and again, you're capable of winning on the road against whomever in this conference. Um, I, the margins, as we've seen, are very thin in the Eastern Conference. I don't think one team is a hell of a lot better than the other in most cases. I think there are some interesting matchups and matchup problems that we can discuss, but I think for the Heat in particular, like, you want to at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You really want to get to the Finals, obviously. Give yourself a chance. But if you're one of the Final Four teams standing and you have a great Eastern Conference Finals, I think that's a season to absolutely be proud of. But obviously the players themselves, like they're going to be disappointed if they don't give themselves a chance to get uh, to the NBA championship. And it is something that is taken for granted because their stability is like, you almost chalk them up to like, oh yeah, they're going to be tough and they're going to be a playoff team or mm-hmm. whatever. And Ethan Skolnick pointed out something last night, like, yo, this is Pat Riley's fourth successful build with this organization, right? Fourth successful build when you're talking about the Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning era. You're talking about Wade and Shaq. You're talking about the big three era. And now with Jimmy Butler and Bam and Tyler Hero, like they just figure it out in a way that we would want if we're, if we're rooting for teams, we would want all of our favorite teams to sort of operate in that way. So he fans could also be very spoiled in that regard. I know from talking to some of them, like they just kind of always expect to be there or whatever. And, you know, there may come a time where that's no longer the case. But for right now, like I would say like, yeah, this shouldn't be taken for granted uh, league wide at all. Uh, Mandy checking this as if he will not make it despite being a gritty team. All right. No, 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 no love for the Heat. That East is tough. Some... So, we'll yeah, I mean, East is tough, right? It's it's really it's really tough to see how all this shakes out. Who knows? We'll, we we will see. So, you remember a couple of weeks ago, Brian? I know you were all over this. I know you were loving it. There was a little bit of beef, <laughs> or seemed like there was fractures in Heat culture, right? It, it seemed like that a little bit. We saw a little the thing that happened between Udonis Haslam, Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra, and at the time, I was like, look, and I said this. I wasn't going to go and say that the culture was done, it was over, it's faults in the team. I thought it was something to keep an eye on. But they closed the season well, right? They played pretty good. Do you Were you worried about that at all? Do you think he culture is still strong or they fine? And is this the kind of team that something like we saw on the court, which happens all the time, people need to relax on that. This stuff happens yeah. all the time more than people realize. But do you think that this this was actually a good thing for the team they would have bounced back. We've seen them close the season strong. They locked up number one seed, and everything's fine down in Miami. And in that organization in particular, it happens a lot. Like, I just heard Bam Adebayo, who was on Zach Lowe's podcast, on uh, yep. the low post, like, this past episode, and he was telling him, like, yo, literally, this is, like, almost every practice. Like, that kind of happens. And then Zach Lowe was trying to check them, and he was like, like, you mean, like, that level? And then Bam was basically like, yeah, like, it'll it'll go there sometimes. And, you know, we've heard stories about that with Pat Riley. And you as a Knicks fan know, like, in the 90s with Pat Riley being there, you could imagine what was going on at that point. Um, you know, like, this is kind of what it is. And it the, the thing was, the thing that it ultimately came down to, and there's been reporting around this from some of my homies at Five Reasons Sports, Ethan Skolnick, Rex Sylvander, 
basically the point was that like ultimately they were just frustrated that they hadn't been playing well and it blew up at that point um and there was some passive aggressiveness before that and then it all came out in that moment and then after that they got over it and they've been on a five or six game winning streak ever since and that's something else that like it's like all right people finally started talking about the heat nationally because it's been a lot of heat lakers heat lakers and some celtics lately and sixers but they talked about the heat for like a day or two and then the heat got out of their funk and now it's all right back to normal and it's again another example <laughs> of them being taken for granted but yeah i mean they're tight they're on the same page it looks like the big thing was making the change to the starting lineup sitting duncan robinson putting in max Struess, who gives similar spacing but is also more athletic and more of a type a personality it would seem and max Struess also like he's in the game and Tyler Hero is the first man off the bench, but you have him coming in for Jimmy Butler, who then comes out of the game. And then when he comes in, he comes in for P.J. Tucker and comes in at the four. So then it's Jimmy Butler, three shooters, and one of the centers. And it's like, okay, this is a lineup that makes a lot of sense because now there's more spacing, better spacing. Um, Jimmy Butler is out here making threes now, which is something I have coming on Basketball News, I think, today, actually. Uh, about like how that can be advantageous to them and how he doesn't need to necessarily become Anthony Morrow from three. He just needs to make enough for them to take a half step forward and guard him out there. And then it can open up so many more things for them offensively. So, yeah, I think um, they're, they're going to be fine in terms of chemistry and things of that nature. And they need to be because, again, they don't have a Giannis Antetokounmpo on their team. You know what I mean? So they don't have a Kevin Durant necessarily. So they're going to need that chemistry to rely on that because when they do have that and they're firing, they could really take out anybody. They can. Now, in terms of playing anybody, and I just saw Manny put this in the chat, and this leads perfectly into what I wanted to ask next. And I'm going to bring up Manny's comment right here. East is tough, especially when they are ducking the Nets. And here's my thing. And, and Manny, I know you root for the Nets here. Is anybody ducking the nets? Have we seen their defense lately? It's looked a little shaky. You know, is what's I'm not necessarily sure what's going on. I believe in the nets right now because their defense has looked real suspect. I, I haven't liked it. Even the Knicks, whose offense is not good, they they were giving up points to in the first half. I know they came back and won the game, but I was not in love with the that's, Knicks. That's that's more right of a now. Knicks thing. The Knicks just blow leads. It's yeah, just like they, at some point that. of the game, they just get to the third, fourth quarter. And they're just like, ah, oh, fuck it. All right, and he said, yes, they are. Playoffs are a different breed. Yeah, which might be worse for them. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily sure. But to what Manny brings up, right, in terms of he thinks the Heat might have been ducking the nets, right? Oh. Other teams, other teams. Oh, so you're saying no. The Heat are not. Like they're, the Heat they, are ducking. They, they're not ducking anybody. Uh, they, <laughs> shit, last year people were saying that they should have ducked the Milwaukee Bucks, and they just were like, nah, fuck it, we're going to play that's a, that's That's a good point. They, <laughs> there was a lot of talk about that. So that brings me to my question here, which is, who should the Miami Heat want to face in the first round? Uh, is it bring on the Nets? Whatever, bring them on. Whoever comes, is is that the attitude right now? Whoever it might be, we'll, we'll take them. We ain't scared of nobody. Or, you know, is it like Manny says, they're a little, they're a little shook of Brooklyn? If they want an absolute cakewalk, yeah, and they got swept, Manny, because, uh, you know, when you have seven weeks to prepare from the NBA Finals to training camp, uh, you're not going to have a lot left at the end of the season. That's why all the bubble teams who went into the Final Four last year flamed out very early in the playoffs and didn't win uh, a game in round two, any of them. But anyway, um, 
Wait, 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 wait. Manny, we have to address this comment. You can't be serious here. They got Kessler Edwards ready for action. That's what that's what that's what we're doing. This is who we're hanging out defensive hopes on. All right, Mets fans. All right, Manny, we're gonna push you to the side real quick. Go go back to the question. Yes. To answer your question. Um no, I don't think the Heat are 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 ducking anybody or should be ducking anybody, I think, in terms of who they would want to play in the first round. Yeah. I mean, you you want the Charlotte Hornets just to have a cakewalk, right? Just to, just to have that little tune-up before you get deeper into playoffs, but that's not going to happen. Um, I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers today, which we're going to probably touch on a little bit later, and they're going to then be the seventh seed. I think they're going to be the seventh seed regardless if they're home or away because it's looking like a matchup with the Cavs, and I don't even know if the Cavs are going to be healthy. By then, the Nets should be good, and they should be able to at least get the seventh seed, which then sets up a potential matchup, likely with the Milwaukee Bucks. As of right now, at least, it could be the Boston Celtics, but we'll see. I think, in terms of where that leaves you, if you're if you're if you're the Heat, it's Cleveland Cavaliers or Atlanta Hawks with the outside chances to Charlotte Hornets, and I think you're willing to face either. Um, Cleveland could be more annoying if they're healthy, because Atlanta is just not going to stop anybody. And Trey Young is great and as dynamic he, as he is offensively. If you screen him, he'll just hug you and just, you know, square dance with you to wherever you want to take him. Like, it's, he's not even going to try on defense, so it doesn't even matter. And the Heat are going to have their way with the Hawks if that's going to happen. So either one, doesn't matter. And if they do end up playing the Nets, if the Nets, you know, squander a game between now and then, which they've done plenty of this season, and they do face the Nets, that's fine because the Nets aren't going to have a healthy Ben Simmons. And even if they do, how impactful is he going to be really, given that he hasn't played since last season? And on top of that, you have questions about whether or not the Nets could stop anybody in the backcourt and the net and the Heat when they're right have been a bad matchup for them uh, this season, as we saw at a couple different points. So, you know, we'll see. I don't think that the Nets are going to have to worry about the uh, – I don't think the Heat are going to have to worry about the Nets necessarily because the Nets should take care of business and get the seventh seed. That'll be Milwaukee's problem. And I actually think Milwaukee wants that matchup. Like, I actually really think Milwaukee wants to take the Nets in the first round and, and prove to people, like, hey, you know, last year wasn't bullshit. So I could see that. If anybody's ducking the Nets, it might be the Celtics because they sat a couple dudes yesterday, second of a back-to-back. But they sat a couple dudes yesterday and just kind of, you know, Milwaukee beat them, and now they're in third. So, you know, I would look at Boston for that. But yeah, yeah but not – okay, interesting. I, listen, whoever the Nets play, I want to see. I, I think the Nets are always going to be dangerous with Katie and Kyrie. I just don't like what I'm seeing from them defensively. Okay, when we look at the Heat this year, I think there's two players, Brian, and you're very plugged into this. One is a Brian Fonseca all-star, kind of. Um, the other has got good development. Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, both of them – Really good development this year. I think Bam has taken a leap even on the defensive end. We already knew he was a, a good defensive player. His name should be brought up in Defensive Player of the Year for sure. Uh, Tyler Hero, very likely the front runner for sixth man of the year. How has their growth really impacted the Heat and being able to get where they are right now and landing that number one seed in the East? Oh, it's been absolutely everything. Like with, with Bam in particular on the defensive end and then with Tyler, it's just everything, right? Like uh, on offense, especially because the thing about Tyler and I remember we've talked about this on the A Hard to Tell podcast. And at the time, people, not you, people would probably think I'm crazy. But what I was saying last year is that he didn't have an off season between his rookie year and his second season because they only had, again, seven weeks between losing in the NBA finals 
and then the beginning of training camp. So a rookie who finally gets into the NBA doesn't have enough time to really add to his game and, you know, hone in on what they learned from their first season to try to adapt to their second season. And all that's to say, Tyler Hero didn't really have time to develop between year one and year two, so you didn't see much development. This year he had a full off season and, you know, didn't have to didn't have to play in summer league or anything like that, like he did as a rookie, but he had a full off season to go in the lab, had months between the end of the season and this season. So was able to add to his game, really work at it. And there were questions about his work ethic and things of that nature. And he's come out on the other side. He's one of the league's most improved players. I think he'll wind up on some ballots for that, though. I don't think he's going to win the award. And he's somebody who is running away with six man of the year. And to the point where some people are saying, hey, uh, he's playing too many minutes to win six man of the year. When you look at his minutes, he wouldn't even crack the top five in you know, six man of the year winner history in terms of minutes per game. J.R. Smith has actually played more minutes as a six man in 2012, 2013 season than Tyler Hero is right now. And we remember how good J.R. Smith was that year, Dex. That was a fun ass Knicks team. But yeah, he's had a massive impact. And he's not even just jacking shots like John Hollinger was saying, uh, a la a Lou Williams or a Jordan Clarkson, because he's actually shooting about 44, 45% for the field, 40% from three. He's doing it efficiently, getting to the line more. Um, his passing, he could still be a little Brett Farvish sometimes, but he's making better passes, et cetera, et cetera. And then, bam, he's taking a leap defensively where, like, he's he's looking like somebody who could consistently challenge for defensive player of the year, year in and year out. He has a real chance this year despite all the games being missed. Um, and that tells you, like, where he sort of is and how good he's been. I think defensive player of the year is between three people. It's Bam Adebayo, Marcus Smart, and Mikael Bridges. And for me, uh, it's really between uh, Bam Adebayo and Marcus Smart. I'm good with either of them winning. I'm fine with Mikael Bridges winning. I just don't think he will necessarily. But Bam, you know, he's the best switch defender in the league. And in the 2017-18 season when Rudy Gobert won his defensive player of the year, the first one, he only played 56 games. And people were trying to dock Bam for games played. Bam has already played, you know, as many games as Rudy Gobert did. So, you know, he has a chance to win defensive player of the year despite all those games missed because he's that good. And their growth has been essential to them because, you know, this is this is the present and the future of this team, really. Yeah, no, I would I would agree on, on both of that. They both had really impressive years, really impressed with what Tyler Hero's done. You talked about him going back in the lab. Uh, this offseason and working on his game and, you know, seems to be more focused because there's a lot of questions about that with him uh, after the previous season. Now, the thing for me with the Heat, when I watch the Heat, my one concern, I can have concerns when I look at the Nets on defense. Sometimes with the Heat, I've had some concerns with them on offense. Do they have enough offense for a deep playoff run, right? I saw, you know, our man Manny in the chat talking about Bam has to step it up offensively. Um, you got to see the version of Jimmy Butler that we saw in the bubble. Do you think this team has enough offensively to get the job done? Yeah, because their defense is so good where, like, you can close games defensively. People forget that. Like, you can close games by getting stops on defense like they did against the Boston Celtics. It doesn't need to become, like, a one-on-one -on -one bucket fest at the end of games, which that probably wouldn't be advantageous to them compared to some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference who have – Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jason Tatum, for example, and potentially the Philadelphia 76ers, though I don't think they're going to be a big issue for them if they play each other in round two. But I think the Nets do, I mean, I think the Heat do have enough on offense in order to like navigate this because they've proven it at various points during the season. Um, it's probably more Tyler Hero than you would want, but 
Kyle Lowry being the key here. Like he's somebody who's come alive late. He's somebody who said the real season starts now or something to that effect. And he's been stepping up, like making the three pointers, you know, going to his left and pulling up for the mid range and setting other guys up. If the ball is in Jimmy Butler's hands less and not less from the standpoint of him making decisions, but less from the standpoint of him, uh, you know, having isolations and one on one, like you don't want Jimmy Butler to get the ball in an ISO situation one on one because it's just not smart when you have all those other guys there. Their versatility is really the key. Being able to find a PJ Tucker on the corner, being able to set up a Kyle Lowry, you know, a pick and roll three point situation or to find Bam as a roller, or Tyler Hero to create something like they have enough there, especially with Kyle Lowry coming alive. And that's really the key here because he's been a good playoff performer. And that's really what it is like their versatility is going to be the key in that setting. So they don't have just one guy that can beat you. They have a few and they can do it as a collective. And I think that's what's going to be you know, dangerous to opposing teams. Yeah, I think I think it definitely could be dangerous to opposing teams. I just, you know, some games I've seen where they've struggled down the stretch, but you make a good point about how they can get it done in the defensive end and close games in that well, too. If you force enough turnovers against the other team, you're hitting free throws, maybe not making the shots in the best way. You you brought it up. They don't have a Giannis. They don't have a KD. They don't have that elite-level closer. But, you know, we'll see if we can get it done as a team, and there's different ways to win games. So, you know, it's it's not that bad. Now the rotation which you kind of just touched on. What do you think Spolstra does here? We saw him tinker with some stuff down the stretch. We got to see a little bit of Victor Oladipo. Is he in the rotation? Is Markeith Morris in the making it back? Or are those guys out right now? What do you think Spolstra does with the rotation as we head into the playoffs? I think they're probably breaking case of emergency guys. And given the right matchup, you may need a Markeith Morris, depending on how Dwayne Dedman looks on a particular night. But I think you're looking at, you know, same starting five as they have been the last few games, at least for now. Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo. Gabe Vincent has to play. He has to be the guard off the bench. And that's primarily why Victor Oladipo, you might not see him much in the playoffs uh, unless, you know, they need some sort of spark offensively that is not being given to them elsewhere. Um, Gabe Vincent, because of what he could do as a point of attack defender, just a pain in the ass. And his three-point shot has gotten so much better. Like, he was somebody coming into the season decks. Like, I just didn't see it in terms of, like, is he even, like, legitimately an NBA player? This is someone who was good at UC Santa Barbara, but that dude typically doesn't really do well in the NBA. And now he's become one of my kind of guys because he plays the type of type of game that I appreciate from a mid-major being undrafted, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to be in the playoff rotation. Duncan Robinson, you're going to try him out. And if Duncan Robinson, it's going to be one of those things where if he has it going, you ride him. And if he doesn't, you cut bait early, you know. And Caleb Martin is really the key here because he's somebody who, one, he needs rest because he's had some lower leg injuries uh, toward this last portion of the season. But Caleb Martin's been really good, and he's been essentially the P.J. Tucker backup, right? And then from there, it's like, okay, is Victor Oladipo going to play much? Is Marquise Morris going to play much? Probably not. And, you know, that's not fine. That's that's more so just circumstances. Right. And that's the thing. Like Victor Oladipo came back late in the year. Marquise Morris came back late in the year. So it's been really challenging to sort of work them back into the rotation. And that's part of why they had their blow up. Right. Not on them in particular, but the constantly changing guys and constantly changing the rotation because guys are constantly in and out of the lineups like that could be a pain in the ass for anybody. And just like anything in life, you could only overcome it but so many times before it just gets annoying. And it's like, all right, how 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 many times am I going to be able to overcome this, right? 
And that's sort of that's sort of where that leaves you. But other than that, yeah, and Dwayne Dedman, you know, you should obviously see him off the bench first as as a big man. But there could be a series where Markeith Morris is really the guy to give you that sort of look and scoring punch. I think between Markeith and Victor Oladipo, you're more likely to see Markeith uh, consistently just because stylistically the fit, what he can give you. Victor Oladipo has been more up and down, but he also had like a, a very serious injury that he's working his way back. From. Speaking of up and down, right? Duncan Robinson's been up and down. I know he's been up and down with the Heat fans on social media this year. Very divisive yeah. player. <laughs> right. Now we know this is a good, interesting guy to talk about in terms of the rotation because we know that he got it done in the bubble. Granted, it was the bubble. And he shot the ball very well in the postseason. But if he's not shooting the ball well, is he a guy that you think Spolster is going to have a quick leash with and just be like, all right, we, we maybe we get him out of here. Maybe we try to see if we can get a spark with Oladipo. The, what, what do you think with Duncan Robinson and how they use him in the playoffs, particularly because he's got some liabilities on defense? I just pulled up his game log, right? So his yeah. last, his last, uh, what is this? Six, seven games, last seven games. This is funny. Uh, this includes five off the bench and two stars. The first two are stars. These are, this was Duncan Robinson's minutes distribution last seven games. 23, 13, 25, 15, 24, 13, 27. So it's very uh, up I, and down. I, I, I mean, that. I mean, I don't know what Spolcher was tinkering with there, but it sounds like, yeah, if he ain't got it going. That's kind, that, yeah. that's kind of what it is. And he, he's, he's, he's like, you need more actions to get him open because he's not going to take somebody off the dribble. Now, right. look, to his credit, there's been times this season where, like, he stepped up, taking the three off the dribble, not just had to catch a shoot and pass it away as much as he was doing before. He still does that. But, yeah, there's that. There's been times where he's driven in, give you a nice little floater, you know, find a nice pass, like, to Bam cutting or something like that, or P.J. Tucker in the corner. Like, he's done that occasionally. But for the most part, and to go back to those games that we were just talking about, those seven, uh, the points, six, zero, 15, five, eight, zero, 21. Like that's kind of that's kind of what it is. It's like it's very it's very it's a roller coaster. It's like and Spo, yeah. I think it's kind of like <laughs> we used to say this as Jeff fans about about certain quarterbacks, Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez. You kind of know in the first quarter whether or not they're gonna have a good game. Like you kind of see it early, and then it's like it be, it can become dicey from there. So with Duncan, and the good thing is that it's basketball, so you know it's not you could sub somebody out or whatever the case may be. I think Duncan, what you would say when he was in the starting lineup is, okay, he'll play the first six minutes of the first quarter. If he doesn't have it going, you try it again the first six minutes of the third quarter. If he doesn't have it going, that's it. That's 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 it for the game. If he does have it going, then you go back to him in the second, et cetera, et cetera. Off the bench, you know, late first quarter minutes, maybe he closes the second. And then from there, you got to determine whether or not he has it. And this is where Victor Oladipo could come in handy because if Duncan Robinson doesn't really have it, and if Gabe Vincent is struggling with a shot, you're going to look to Victor Oladipo, you know, and that's going to be advantageous there. And also Tyler Hero. I don't even know if I mentioned him before. We were talking about rotation. Tyler Hero is obviously going to be there because that's going to be your guy closing uh, games your clo- in, in your closing lineup pretty much every night. So Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely going to be there. All right, that, that rotation is going to be very, very, very interesting to watch for me. Okay, final question uh, before we, we wrap up this portion of it. It's a million-dollar question. It's a question everybody's going to want to know about the Heat. Can they return to the finals and win it all? Can the Miami Heat actually get this done outside the bubble, show the world the Heat culture? Can they return to the finals and finally win it all? 
I think they can. I would not put them as uh, favorites or anything like that. I would say, like, if I'm making a, a power ranking of teams uh, to come out of the Eastern Conference, I would put them second behind the Milwaukee Bucks. But I absolutely think they could beat the Milwaukee Bucks, given that they do have home court advantage for that series, and that's going to help. I would not favor them in that series, but I would absolutely give them a look if I were betting on that series. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to beat the Phoenix Suns this year. It seems like it's their finals to lose. And just elsewhere in the Western Conference, I don't know if the Golden State Warriors are going to get right or right enough to where they can really, you know, contend for a championship. Does Memphis have enough? And are they, you know, are they going to show their 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 lack of experience early on? Is, is Does Dallas have enough to really make a run? Uh, Denver, are they going to get some guys back? Are the Clippers going to get Kawhi back, et cetera, et cetera? And then in the East, Robert Williams. As a center shaving off part of your meniscus, I don't expect him to return a hundred percent. And I think that that's, you know, that's going to be tough. He he should come back if they're in round two and they should get to round two, but that's going to be tough, man. You know, so, and it's going to be a lot to ask of him. So you're going to need some good play from Daniel, uh, Daniel Tyson, Al Horford. And then I just don't really believe in the Sixers. And I'm not sure that the Nets, um, you know, they're, they're setting themselves up for a tough first round matchup, whoever it is, uh, whether it's the Bucks, the Celtics or the Heat. It's probably going to be the Bucks, and like I mean, are you picking the Nets to take, to take out the Bucks? So I think the way things shake out, the 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 Heat in terms of playoffs, you're more or less getting what you want. You want the Bucks, Celtics as the two three because you don't want to have to go through both of them. They can, but you'd rather only have to go through one of them. Yeah. You want the Sixers or Raptors in in four or five to get them in round two, presuming that you get by round one, which obviously you should be the one seed. Because the Sixers, they just match up well with, you know, I don't believe in James Harden. And Joel Embiid in the playoffs, I mean, you know, it's a little dicey when Jimmy Butler's not there. And then when you're talking about the Raptors, I mean, they're tough. And I actually think they could beat the Sixers. And, we, you know, we still don't. There's some vaccination questions that we may have about the Sixers as well. But the Raptors are tough and they have two all-star caliber players on their team. At least one of whom could make All-NBA this year. So, you're getting what you want in terms of how this shakes out, where like you're going to get maybe the Sixers or Raptors in round two, and then potentially the Bucks or Celtics, most likely the Bucks in round three. And can you get by the Bucks? And then that'll give you a chance to see if you could win it all or not. Well, it could be a pretty favorable draw for the Heat, man. So it's going to be really interesting to see. All right, that's enough about Heat talk. You know, Brian can talk about this all day for sure, guys. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Brian's going to do Friday NBA picks with me. Um, some good games tonight. A lot to talk about in terms of shaping up and how things go with the NBA schedule. If you are looking to bet, we are going to help you with that. Win you some money. You know, I'm not trying to guarantee you nothing, but we, you know, we, 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 got a, we got a pretty good track record up here. We'll do that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. 
That's right, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today. All right, we're back on the NBA Exchange. Going to talk about some NBA picks right now. Some really interesting games. Still a lot to be determined in terms of seeding, not just only for people who are already locked into playoff first, but also in terms of the play-in. Brian, I'm going to let you start because I know you're starting with a big one tonight here in, uh, actually, excuse me, in Cleveland. Uh, it will be uh, the Nets and the Cavs. That's your first game tonight. Uh, who do you like in this contest? Huge game, Nets Cavs. Um, because th- this could very well be the seven eight matchup in the play in, <laughs> yep. and they're kind of playing for home court right now. Um, the Nets are favored by eight and a half. I think that's a big number. I do think the Nets will win, but their money line is as of right now in that minus 340 range, so you're not getting a ton of value there. Um, in terms of like looking at the FanDuel odds, and obviously, I use FanDuel because you already know they paid a boy. Uh, I would say. I would say Nets will win, but I may go alternate spread because I could see them just sort of messing around, not really put it away the way that they should. Uh, Evan Mobley is questionable uh, as of right now. I just checked the injury report. Jared Allen is out, which is part of why the number is the number. Alternate spread could be minus five and a half, six and a half, something along those lines. Um, there's also a world, though, if you're feeling real confident in the Nets, where they come out, they're inspired, and they're like, all right, fuck this, and just blow the Cavs out by like 15, 20 points which I could see that happening as well, which would explain the line. But Vegas knows a little bit better than me. But I would I would say, for me, I would pro- I will probably play it safe and go, like, Nets minus five and a half or something yeah. along those lines. I'm behind this game for tonight, and I would play it the same way, too. Minus five and a half, take that offense spread. Just don't, you know, just don't trust the Nets in terms of, could they blow them out? Sure. Could they also make it really close? Yeah because their defense hasn't been playing that great. Yeah, I could see that. But I like the way you're betting that. I like the Nets here, but eight and a half is a little bit much for me. Um, sometimes you just got to get those wins. You, you, I know you want to hit on those minus See the ball go in, baby. <laughs> just, just, get, just get them wins, man. Just get them wins. Singles singles work too, man. Move those moves runners along. All right, my first game of the night, uh, we're going to keep it with New York City here. The New York Knicks, they will be down in the nation's capital Battling the Washington Wizards. Yes, that line is correct that you see from FanDuel here. It is minus half a point, which means all the Knicks got to do is win by one or more. But all you need to do, this is a pick basically, right? If my my rule of thumb generally, if it's minus three and a half or whatever, and you three points, just go with the money line, right? Like this is where you go play the money line. Who do you like here? Is this a sexy matchup? Hell no. It's not a sexy matchup at all whatsoever. The Knicks' young kids have been playing pretty good outside of the second half of the game against Brooklyn the other day. I think they'll play hard in this one. This is a game that actually, in a weird way, can actually determine where these teams will be in the lottery because they're currently tied. So it's interesting, but the players don't care about that. They want to play hard. They want to win. Um, I think the Knicks' players have been playing hard. I think they'll want to bounce back from the loss against the Nets the other night. I like them to win this outright. Throw a couple dollars in the Knicks, but the Knicks could be the Knicks. So you don't don't put too much money because they're the Knicks. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know if you necessarily want to trust that. But I like the Knicks here. I can see the Knicks winning uh, anywhere from six to seven points. I just think their players will be more motivated. Obi Toppin's been playing really well. Look for him in terms of over unders on player props in terms of points. I think that's a way you can look at. He's been really good, especially if he's shooting the ball well from three. 
anything with him over maybe 12, 13 points. Nice play to go there with the over. But I like the Knicks in this one. Uh, it's basically a pick em, but take the Knicks because, you know, everybody beats the Wiz. Uh, what's, your, what's, your, what's your second game? What you got, Brian? My next one is <clears throat> just sort of, sort of sticking with the Eastern Conference playoff theme. Went with the Chicago Bulls and Charlotte Hornets, who have a big game tonight. Now to set this up, the Atlanta Hawks played Heat. And the Heat are actually mm-hmm. plus two right now, even though they're at home. That tells you that, you know, some guys may sit because they have the one seed already. I don't know, like, how that's going to sort of happen. Um, the Hawks winning would also be interesting because they are currently tied with the Nets. I think the Nets have the tiebreaker there. I'm not I'm not even sure. I'm they not, do. I'm not, they okay, do. so the Nets do have a tiebreaker there. Um, and the Hawks, you know, they would be tied if they do beat the Heat tonight. 43 and 38 right now uh and they will be tied with the Cavs who would then drop to 43 and 38 so just a couple of things to watch there and I'm bringing all this up now because the Charlotte Hornets don't want to lag behind even though they just whooped the Orlando Magic last night they're on the second of a back-to-back and they're going to play the Chicago Bulls the Chicago Bulls are six and it could get dicey if the Bulls lose this game and then the Cavs beat the Nets because there's a scenario where that happens and they're a game apart or whatever the case may be so and the Bulls have free-fallen. You know, DeMar DeRozan was getting MVP conversations earlier, whatever. So the spread for this game is uh, Bulls minus two and a half. And, Dexter, I like your rule because I pretty much operate the same way. I, I don't like NBA spreads in general because teams just be fucking around, especially at this time of the year. Um, I'm sort of saving more of my money for the playoffs. Bulls are favored by minus two and a half against the Charlotte Hornets on the second of back-to-back. I think they will win they they should cover but Wait, like the, at, the, bull, oh, the bulls okay yeah at that okay. point because it's the money line but but i would entertain i just don't know if the hornets have it in them but i will entertain because they had a blowout last night right that th- they were you know able to maybe rest a little bit toward the end look they need this win because they don't want to fall too far behind because then you may finish 10th anyway but you're putting yourself in a position where like you're going to be 10th regardless and then you're talking about being in Atlanta that first game which is not it's, it's winnable but you don't want right. to put yourself in that position because then it's like all right you beat Atlanta on the road and then here's Kevin Durant so yeah they I, have, I, I, I'm still taking they, the yeah. goals though you're taking the Bulls in this one. Yeah. All right, Bulls, Bulls two and a half. Bulls have not been playing good. But you make a great point. This, this is why I love the playing tournament. There's so much motivation. You know, the Bulls need to win because they're trying to hold on to six. They, right now, uh, who they match up with in the first round right now? Celtics, right? Celtics. They beat Celtics right now in the yeah. first round. They're trying to hold on to six to make sure they can do that. So there's a lot of motivation for these teams. To Brian's point, this is why it's so tricky to bet at this time of year. And with these spreads, I so, if it's this, listen, if it's this low, like we're saying, and it's under three and a half from the four points, just go with who you think is going to win, man. Like, just take that money line and go with who you think is going to win. The odds probably are not going to be as good. They're usually not as good, but go with who you think is going to win. Okay, my last game of the night. This is basically another pick I'm here, all right? Now, it's going to be interesting. This is the Suns versus the Jazz, okay? And, Brian, you know this. I have no faith in the Jazz in anything. I think things are ending in Utah. I think it's going to be a very – interesting offseason. I think they're breaking things up. I think this is the yeah. beginning of the end. Or the beginning of the end actually might have been last playoffs, if we really think about yeah. it. The beginning of the end yeah. might have been that, right? Suns versus Jazz. You're looking at this, um, and you're like, Jazz minus one and a half here. Uh, and you're like, okay, the Suns, they've clinched everything. They've clinched the best record. 
They got the franchise record for wins. They're not playing for anything. The other night they sat everybody, all their stars. Booker sat, Aiton sat, um, Chris Paul sat as well too. I would expect them to do the same again. However, here's the thing. The Suns still play hard without them. This is kind of like the Memphis Grizzlies things that we see without Jai. The Suns still play hard. That's why the line is what it is at minus one and a half. That's why we're seeing that right now. The Suns still play hard. Now, do you trust the Jazz? Don't trust them. Don't trust the Jazz all the time. But here's the thing. The Jazz do have some motivation here, guys. They do actually have some reasons to be motivated in this contest. The Jazz currently, they are fifth. They have a very outside chance. They're probably going to be locked into this. Outside chance are two games behind the Mavericks with both teams having two left to play. Okay? So the Jazz need to win out, and they need some help from the Mavericks and them to lose out because I believe the Mavericks own the tiebreaker in the season series. So they're motivated. I think they get this because uh, they'd like to get home court against the Mavericks. That's also something we'll get into later. I think if they play in the series, I'm definitely picking the Mavericks. Um, but I'm going to go with the Jazz here, reluctantly. I do not think I would trust it. It's nice that the line is low. I would say just take the Jazz with the money line. Because the line is low, you'll get some decent odds. They should get it done. The Jazz have been flattering. But would it shock anybody if Phoenix won? No. You're going to take this, like the Knicks, be cautious, throw a couple dollars down, nothing too big. Don't put your faith in the Jazz. But I would say I like the Jazz here, probably squeaking out a win, maybe by six points over the Phoenix Suns because I just have respect for how the Suns have played and how I think they will play in this game, despite really having nothing to play for at all. That That's interesting because the Jazz right now, I just pulled up the standings, are fifth yeah. with 48 and 32. The Nuggets are right on their heels, right on their ass at 48 that's the, and 33. That's the, other, that's the other thing too, B. You're right. I was just looking at it in terms of where they can move up, but you're right. The, the Nuggets right on their ass. And they 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 don't want to drop to six. I don't think so. I don't think they – because that will put them against the Warriors. And the Warriors, who had a great comeback win against them last week, they got no fear of the Jazz at all. Whatsoever. Honestly, the Jazz don't have a great matchup either way because then either that or it's like it's going to be Luka versus Rudy Gobert and pick and roll. And uh, look, man, like <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks, they got Spencer Dinwiddie balling out there. Dory, I love Dory and Finney Smith. You you might see him on the All-Brian team this year. Might. That dude just makes plays. Uh, but Dory and look, they're 50-win team in Dallas. And I was saying at the beginning of the year, Look, man, like I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run a little sooner than we expected and they traded Porzingis in order to do that. So and that's an interesting matchup. And like, yeah, it's, it's really tough to trust the Jazz because they just have so many holes from a basketball standpoint. But it's clearly beyond that. For me, it's also just like you can tell there's, 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 they just don't like each other. Tim McMahon has been saying this on Windhorse's podcast, The Hoop Collective, yeah. every week. He's just sort of like he's not going to get – Good reporters, you know this, Dex. They're not going to tell you everything they know. But, but we can all tell. Give you, they give you little stuff here <laughs> Yeah, there. we can tell. We can tell reading between the lines of everything Tim McMahon yeah, was speaking, the jazz. Speaking of that, speaking <laughs> of that, I caught this yesterday. They And this is like typical team damage control. They had Gobert go on NBA Today, and he's being interviewed by Malika Andrews and talking about what his relationship is with Rudy Gobert. Who's doing this interview with two games left to go in the season? That's because the noise is growing louder. They know the pressure is on out there. I'm with you. If the, I don't care if the Mavs are in the road team or the home team. I'm taking the Mavs because the problem with the Jazz is 
they can't guard in the perimeter, particularly because their perimeter defenders are so terrible. And you're asking Rudy Gobert to do so much work that nobody can legitimately do. Their perimeter defense is terrible. It has not been addressed. Number one, people thought Rudy Gay was going to help them. Well, and then and, in the rotation. And then Dallas's defense is also really good. I, and, like. and, and, <laughs> yeah, and deserves it. Yeah, it's been impressively good. Yo, that's it. That's a series, and we'll we'll be talking about some stuff next week on A Hotel Podcast and this show. That's a series if it happens that I just I'm very confident Lucas getting his first playoff series win. Like I'm very confident in that. Like I will bet that. That I'm saying it now. Mavs in five. Yo, Mavs I, in five. honestly, <laughs> honestly, if we're being real, Luca both times that he's been in the playoffs really should like I don't I don't want to say should have won both times, but like. If not for the Porzingis injury the first time. Yeah. And then if not for Kawhi Leonard just doing the Kawhi Leonard shit those last five quarters. Like, I mean, Luca's been right there both times. I think he has a better team now, though, specifically on defense. And I against, agree. against Utah, a team that's like on the verge of implosion, that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna be a lot of theater there. It's gonna be a lot, it's gonna sure. be a lot of theater. But we and, then, we- and then if we get Mavs Suns after that, hey, I'm all for that. Because that'll hey, be a lot of fun. I'm all for it. Like, uh, yeah, but Utah, we'll get to the Utah Jazz another day. Might be having to play taps for them in a, in a, soon in a couple weeks. We might we might have to do that. Uh, we might have to play, to play taps on them. Uh, thank you to everybody for checking in with us. We appreciate you. Our man Manny, appreciate you checking in. He said Nets gets in two. Two playing games. Yeah, <laughs> Two playing maybe. games. All right. I, I, like, I like the energy around the Nets. We, I'm sure we'll be talking some Nets next week around the playing. Uh, please check out Brian Fonseca. Uh, check out his show, Bahama Rican Boys, with our man Timmy on Five Reasons Sports Network. They're fantastic there. Also, check out his work on FanDuel, especially if you're plugged in to the combat sports. A lot of great stuff for me and Brian coming up, so- coming up soon. We're talking yes. NBA Awards next week on the podcast. All Brian team is coming up. You know <laughs> what I mean? I might have to start making an all-Dexter team. I'm not quite sure what that is, but we might have to start doing that as, as, as well, too. We might have to do that. Okay, and Manny says he will be at the playing game next week. We're going to check in with you to see if you're okay, Manny, uh, if the Nets win or they lose, man. We'll, 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 we got to check in on you after that. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining me. Good to talk some Heat basketball. We will do this again at some point during the playoffs because I don't think the Heat uh, will have a – early exit like the Utah Jazz, but we will do we will do that. Um good seeing you as always. Yeah. As usual, people please follow, support uh the NBA Exchange at the NBA Exchange on all social media platforms. Check us out. He's Brian Fonseca. I'm Dexter Henry. This is not the Ain't Art Cell Podcast, but until next time, y'all. Peace.